And uh, when Swami came, he was very far, you know, like, I don't know how big, like maybe 100 meters or something. Uh, he looked very small figure, you know. Uh, uh, and Swami came to the, you know, in front of the crowd. He raised his hands and like blessed the crowd with the hands. And I was sitting very far. He was so small and I felt a very strong, like a flow of energy from him. And I thought, oh my God, he's like so small and so much energy. I felt bliss and love inside. That was Dr. Michael Gopal Blasi from the Czech Republic. Michael was in Prashanti Nilayam for the fifth time in the month of January 2011. And this was his experience of what it felt to be blessed with the darshan of Bhagwan Baba. Well, during the darshan, I feel just love, love and bliss. And I think this is the main what, what um, attracts me back. And I believe when, I, when I'm here, usually like a month or six weeks, this time it's only three weeks. Um, when I come back home, I feel it changes me in a way. Uh, it changes me so in the sense that uh, I get like more faith in God maybe, or I feel when I pray uh, closer to God, I can feel the love also during common life. And uh, so uh, I think when we come to Swami physically, He opens the gate, uh, as I understand it. And he, he, he works with the people in, in the crowd and, and He opens something. And then, of course, it's up on the people whether they use this precious opportunity or not. It's because God cannot change ourselves without our effort, without our agreement. But I believe, because I try to practice the spiritual teachings in everyday life, although I'm not a very good sadhaka, <laughs> at least I try to practice something or it's a kind of guidance for me. And definitely it helps me give me more inspiration and to more motivation to follow on the to follow the spiritual pathway and to to keep the relation with God this is what the la is the lasting effect after each visit and i come in interval 2 3 years and i feel that after 2 years 3 years it's time to go again to visit again to get a new like impulse for continuing the way Since his first visit in 2001, every two to three years, Michael returned to Prashantinilayam, drawn by the pure energy and love of Bhagwan Sri Satyasai Baba. In fact, it is very interesting how this Central European doctor has the word Gopal as his middle name and also how the Lord so silently and magnificently drew him to his fold in his own inimitable way by touching and transforming his heart in a manner that only the Lord can do. There are a plenty of inspiring slices of his life that Michael shared over a conversation with Radio Sai's Bishop Prishti during his last visit to Prashanti Nilayam in the month of January 2011. 
So, over now to this complete conversation with Dr. Michael Gopal Blase from the Czech Republic. This is yet another episode of our continuing series, Trist with Divinity. Sairam, dear listeners, this is the month of January 2011 and uh, this month has seen devotees coming from different countries to start their new year in the divine physical presence of Bhagwan Baba. And one notable group is a small team from Czech Republic and Slovakia. And there are at least 34 devotees from this central European nation in Prashantinilam currently and uh, They even had the opportunity to present a choir in front of Bhagwan along with devotees from New Zealand just a couple of days ago on January 25th, 2011. And today in the studio of Radio Sai, we have as our guest the group leader of this small team from Czech Republic and Slovakia, Dr. Michael Gopal Blase. I had the opportunity to have a small casual conversation with uh, this young doctor. last night and the way he narrated the story of his journey to swami and how the lord has captured his heart and filled his soul was so captivating that i requested him to please share this with all our listeners and uh, he agreed with his energetic smile you know as the smile that comes to him so easily <laughs> so welcome doctor thank you studios of radio sir you are perhaps the first person from zec republic uh, speaking on radio side and mm-hmm. it's really my pleasure to be sitting in front of you thank you for inviting i sometimes uh, listen to radio sai on the internet and it's an interesting opportunity to see it from inside yeah what i hear on the internet now it's it's amazing <laughs> you never thought you'll be in the studios of radio sai no no i did not <laughs> expect that <laughs> uh, before uh, i go on to ask you about your journey to swami i mean mm-hmm. that is the story which every devotee uh, will be keen to know mm-hmm. how you from zec republic uh-huh. know about swami and how this team has come uh-huh. to bhagwan yes. but before that there's something else my inquisitive mind uh, is going on prompting me to ask okay. you know your name is so fascinating it says dr michael gopal blaze uh-huh. michael gopal blaze i mean gopal okay. is an indian name right yes yes so what is the story behind your name Well, my official original name is Michael Blaje. It is a common European name, Czech name. But um, I would say that from my teens, I am very fascinated by India, and I am very interested in Indian teachings and Hindu spirituality. And uh, although I read in different books that it's not possible to become Hindu actually, because one must be born a Hindu, I wanted to get a kind of closer connection to Hinduism, and I wanted to get a Hindu name. So. Five years ago, when I was in North India, I visited Haridwar and Rishikesh, and I went to a temple there, and I asked a priest to perform Nama Karana Sanskara, which is a ritual uh, performed for babies to give the the name. And um, I considered this a kind of equivalent of baptism in Christianity. We could say a kind of initiation into the Sanatana Dharma. 
So he chose the name for me. He gave me the name Gopal. And at the beginning, I did not expect to have this name, but I got accustomed and I like it very much. Gopal is a very nice form of God. So <laughs> Name of Lord Krishna. Yes. So how did this uh, affinity to India develop? It just came. Whenever there was a film about India on television or books about India, I was very keen to, to see it or to read it. And I remember when I uh, first took a copy of Bhagavad Gita, it was printed in Czech from the Hare Krishna movement, which is famous in the West, ISKCON, and there was the text in Sanskrit. I was fascinated by the language, by the script in Sanskrit. And when I first came to India 10 years ago, I remember, I like traveling to, to foreign countries and, and exotic countries. And India definitely is exotic for a European person, right? But um, when I came first to India, it was different than coming somewhere else. It was very special feeling, like coming home after a very long time. So it only deepened my relation to India, the repeated visits. <laughs> but uh, this has nothing to do with the way you were brought up. Were you brought up in a family that was religious? No. My country has over a thousand years old long Christian history. So there's a lot of Christianity, churches, monasteries, everywhere. If you visit any town or village. But nowadays, because of different reasons, mostly because of the communism probably, which was the Marxistic ideology is atheistic and suppressed religion, majority of the population became atheists, or creedless at least. So 70% of the people are creedless and 30% are Christians. And uh, my parents did not practice any religion, so I grew up without religion. That's interesting, though your parents uh, are not seriously into any religion, but you had this interest. It was not originally only interest in India. I seek something deeper in life probably when I was like 15, 16. And when I was 17, I started believing in God. It was in a Christian church on a holy place in my country. And from that moment I started to study different uh, religions and spiritual teachings. Christianity, yoga teachings, Hinduism, Buddhism. And in our country mm, there are several um, spiritual masters, like Czech spiritual masters, who uh, are said to be or believed to be God-realized. They all teach unity of religions, so their teachings are a kind of mixture of partially Christianity and uh, mostly yoga, Hindu or Vedanta teachings and Buddhism. So I started studying these teachings and that brought me actually closer to India because it is connected with Indian tradition. So what is it that fascinates about India today? The Indian languages, the Indian culture, the Indian spirituality? Yeah, I think it's the is the spiritual teaching of Sanatana Dharma, which I find uh, very logical. And uh, uh, what I like uh, in India, there is a huge plurality of, of different pathways. Actually, Hinduism is not one religion. It right. contains many streams and many pathways. And although there are many pathways, a kind of coexist together in unity. There is unity in diversity. And this is one aspect which I like, because in a sense, this is missing in Europe. This plurality is not there. Yeah. And I think uh, the truth is not like one truth only, but we can look at it from different viewpoints. This is what Hinduism brings. This is what I like. There is unity, but there is also possibility to choose different, different pathways. pathways. Exactly. This is what fascinates me probably most. So yeah. you also learn mantras uh, with different chants. 
I started recently studying Sanskrit with a, we have Sanskrit. a teacher from Kerala in our country. Oh. <laughs> so I'm a very beginner, but it's very nice language. And I was fascinated that Sanskrit is actually very close to my own language, to Czech. Uh, there are similar structures in grammar, the declension of the nouns and, and um, the flexion of the, of the verbs, for example. Uh, several words are almost identical. For example, Veda in Sanskrit, the scriptures are called Vedas. In Czech, we say Vieda or Viedění, it is knowledge. Yeah. Or another example, you know, the mantra Mrityor Ma Mritam Gamaya, Mrityuhu is death. And in Czech, Mrityu is smrt. Or Tat Dvam Asi, you are that, is the mantra from the Upanishads. In Czech, To Isi Te. Dvam Asi, Te Isi. Yeah, so it's very similar. So Sanskrit is the root, uh, not only Indian languages, yeah. but of so many world. It's uh, probably a root, uh, or it's closest, it's said to be closest language to the original common Indo-European language, which was probably close to the language of the Rig Veda. So we came from the same source, European languages and, and Indian languages. Yeah. Actually, our old ancestors, um, before Christianity came, had their own religion, Slavonic religion, and they worship different gods and goddesses. And the supreme god was called Svarok. Mm-hmm. Svarok, and it was god of heaven. Mm-hmm. And in Sanskrit, uh, Svarga is heaven. Mm-hmm. So Svarok and Svarga is the same word. Or they performed uh, fire sacrifices, like right. yagnas, similar way like Brahmins perform. And the fire god was called Ogon. And it is similar to Agni. Uh-huh. No, one of the missions of Swami, mm-hmm. Swami says, is the revival of this Sanatana Dharma, of yeah. the Poshana, uh-huh. of Vidvat Poshana, which means to revive this uh, sacred, ancient Indian culture uh-huh. and spirituality. Yes. And uh, it's been so fascinating to know that, you know, there's actually this common thread, which uh, probably has got through centuries, kind of overlapped, yeah. and it's become kind of not so visible, but now yeah. Swami is making it evident yeah. to all of us. Actually, uh, by uh, learning more about Hinduism and India, I feel it helps me to connect myself with my own original culture and my own original people and roots because there is this similarity. Also, as Europeans, the, the basis of European culture is the Greek culture. Mm-hmm. And the, the ancient Greek teachings are almost identical with, in, uh, with Indian teachings like reincarnation and karma, vegetarianism, practicing ascetic practices, meditation. All this was there, mm-hmm. or only it, it, in a way it disappeared during the century, but uh, it was there. So when we uh, come to India, I mean we Westerners, Europeans or Americans belonging to that civilization, we, in a sense, return back to our original roots, which is fascinating and it's an interesting pathway. Now let's come back to your journey to Swami. So tell us, how did you come to know of Bhagavan? When I was like 17, I started believing in God and started being interested in different religions. And I studied uh, the mostly Czech spiritual masters. And I searched something which I could say is, that's it, that's what I seek. Because uh, I like all religions, I like Christianity very much, I like Buddhism, I like Chinese teachings also. Every tradition brings something interesting and some inspiration. So, I like all religions, 
uh, and in a sense I can say I'm Christian, Buddhist, Hindu, you know, like this all together. <laughs> but uh, one needs a w- defined pathway, I think. It's, it's important to have one specific pathway which we really can follow in practical life. And this is what I seeked. And when I learned about different teachings, there was always something, I thought, oh, it's nice, but this was something which was not for me. And I learned about Baba uh, in 19... 96 or 97. First, I saw him on the Czech television. There was a serial about India, and in one of the films was quite long, uh, like 15 minutes, only about Prashantini Layam and Sai Baba. There were some interviews with, with devotees, and they even took some, uh, some, some shots of, of darshans with the camera of the Czech television. And uh, there was an interview with a devotee from Belgium who was a drug addict. And he got cured after an interview with Baba. He just, oh. His addiction was just gone. And it was a fascinating story which drew my attention. And then I bought some booklet. There was a small booklet, Who is Satya Sai Baba? I think it was the first booklet ever published in our country. Or second, maybe. And uh, when I opened and I read... I saw that that's what I seek. That is the pathway which, actually, I already believed that, but only that was I seeked. So it's like if you have a key and you try different doors, and suddenly you have the door which you can open. Yeah. So this was the feeling. So that led you coming to Prashantanile? Well, it was not so quick. <laughs> because I first started um, visiting a Sai Center. There was one Sai Center at that time in our country. Actually, one center, one group, one group is in Prague, in the capital city where I live, was one very small group. Uh, we met once a month. So this is how I came into contact with devotees. There was a very small group of like maybe 10 people meeting once a month. Some of them came from different cities and we sang bhajans uh, in a very funny way because we did not, we couldn't sing bhajans. We had cassettes. We put cassettes to a player and we let it play and we sang with the cassettes playing. Yeah. <laughs> so this was the way how we started. Yeah. And when you asked about my first uh, way to Putta Party, it came in 2001. So actually four years later. Uh, I, because I am a doctor, so I, I st- when I first met Swami, I was a medical student. And then I started working in a hospital. And it was very difficult to get holiday in the hospital. It was very busy, there were not enough doctors. And the longest holiday I could get was one week. And it is too short to go to India because it's so far and expensive tickets and so. So it should be at least two weeks. And, um, I started feeling the desire to, to travel, to visit uh, physically, to visit and to see Sai Baba when I read the books, you know, and I sang the bhajans already. And I knew there's a, there was a group going. And uh, the only way how I could go actually was to leave my job. Because uh, when employed, they would not allow me to well, travel nice. for more than one week. Yeah. Yes, and I needed more time. So uh, I had to I had to decide it was a very difficult decision. But finally I decided to leave the hospital. I arranged another another job afterwards. I had 2 months free and I could go to India for 6 weeks. Hmm. First time 2001. Okay. So 2001. So how was that trip? Tell us. I was uh, very curious when I came because I saw Darshan's on the video. You must be having some mental image. 
Yeah, yeah, but I did not know actually what to expect from the visit because I, I, I thought we are traveling there for such a long time. What will we do there? You know, sitting and, and looking at Swami, it's maybe, you know, interesting, but what was happening, I, I, I had no idea. And when we came, I remember the very first arrival, we came to Whitefield, not to Porta Party. We came in early mo- morning hours. It was like five in the morning and it was still a little, you know, dark. And the women were, were the, the product, doing the production around, around Baba's, the, Baba's ashram with the symbols and singing God's name. And we came and uh, we went for the first morning darshan. And I had a camera in my pocket and I had to go to the, to the cloakroom to put it to the cloakroom. And then I was very far. I was in a crowd. And uh, when Swami came, he was very far, you know, like, I don't know how big, like maybe 100 meters or something. Uh, he looked very small figure, you know, uh, uh, and uh, he so raised his hands. In, this was in Prashanti? It was in, in Whitefield. In Whitefield. Whitefield. There is a mandir. There used yes. to be. Now it's different, but there used to be a, a mandir, and there used to be a place in front of the mandir. And Swami came to the, you know, in front of the crowd. He raised his hands, and he uh, he vo- actually made, like, vote like blessed the crowd with the hands and I was sitting very far he was so small and I felt a very strong like a flow of energy from him and I thought oh my god he's like so small person you know human and so much energy I felt bliss and love inside filled with the bliss I was sitting there said oh my god it's so it's unbelievable and I am for a month here Swami how should I use this opportunity to be here? And I wanted to like wish something. And I, I prayed, please, Swami, reduce my ego. <laughs> and this was really <laughs> very, <laughs> very uh, wish, which I never repeated afterwards. <laughs> and uh, I prayed this. The darshan was over. I was sitting there, you know, filled with the love and bliss. And then I stood up and I went to the cloakroom to take my camera. And there was a crowd of people uh, that wanted to return the, their, their things. And I don't like the crowd, but okay, I joined the crowd. And slowly I got closer and closer to the counter of the cloakroom. And when I was already close, I just put my hand with the, with the number. And in the meantime, there was a group of teenagers, like 15 teenagers coming after me, joining the group as well. And when I was very close, the person who was there in the, in the counter looked at me and he got an impression that I kind of tried to be more quick than others or, you know, push the others, which was not true. And he told me, you go behind the group and showed the group of the teenagers. And I felt so maybe humiliated or insulted. It was very negative and you can imagine, I was a doctor, you know, when I go in the hospital, the patients say, oh, good morning, sir, you know, the doctor is coming. And now there was someone who told me, you, go behind the group and showed it a group of teenagers. <laughs> and I left the counter, waited until all people were gone, and then I returned there. <laughs> and for one or two hours, I felt terrible. And I went to my friends, I complained about what happened. And they said, look, you prayed for it. You prayed, Swami reduced my ego. <laughs> so he heard your prayer. <laughs> so what other memories you have from that first trip? 
we did not have any particular like outer events. We saw maybe a few materializations of Ibuti during the darshan. But what I experienced was just love. I was like in heaven. And uh, bliss and love. And when I returned, a friend who, who knew me, uh, he said, Oh, you look very different. You are like shining. I was shining with love. And this is something what... Um, I think many people from our group, when we shared experience, when they meet uh, Bhagavan on, during darshan, they experience love and bliss. So this is the experience that mm, draws me away again and again to come back to Puttaparthi, to visit uh, Baba, either in Puttaparthi or in Whitefield or anywhere, because this experience of love is, I think, the power that attracts people. Yeah, and that's the reason why I came repeatedly. This is my fifth visit already during ten years. Yeah, I've been four times before, and this is my fifth visit. Just like you had your first time, many uh, members from your group are having their first time now. Mm-hmm. We are a group of uh, thirty-four people, and about one third of the group, like ten people, probably I would guess, are first time. Yeah. It's good for them that they have the opportunity to, because they would not be able to come alone, they don't speak English, you know, it's difficult to travel. So it's good to go with the group. What has been their experience? Oh, they were happy, very happy that they could come here. And all of them are in bliss and love also. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so you said this is your fifth visit. So, any particular uh, instance that uh, you want to share that is, you know, indelible mm-hmm. in your mind? Well, I think every visit is slightly different. And um, sometimes it is like a stronger, sometimes it is less strong the, during the darshans. I remember the next visit, we did not experience like so much during the darshan. But I think uh, what I observe, when we expect too much, it's not good. We should be without expectations. We should la- just let the things flow. Yeah, And... What I experienced during the visits, except the inner feelings or inner experiences, what happens is very small events during the trips, that we meet people. For example, in one of the visits, I wanted to visit the place where the Amrit materializes in Sri Rangapatnam. And uh, I went to India and I thought, I would like to visit the place where Amrit... I had no idea where it is, uh, where to go, who to ask. I had no idea. And I was sitting on in Darshan Hall... And there was a, a person next to me. I started to speak with his son. He has a little, he had a little, little boy, like 10, and he started to ask me, oh, where are you from? And you know, what, how many people in your country? <laughs> Things like that. And through the boy, we started to speak with the fa- with father also. And uh, the next, or after a few days, like sitting next to each other, because we uh, liked the same place, <laughs> obviously, he told me, I'm going to visit the place where the Amrita materials is. I know the address. Do you want to, to the address? And I said, oh, yes, it's great. <laughs> and uh, I, I was alone that time. It was a trip where I came only myself, only alone to India. So I could say, oh, could I join you? Could I go with you? He thought a little bit and said, oh, I must ask my wife <laughs> whether she would agree. <laughs> and then he came to the hotel where I stayed and said, come, come. If you don't mind, you will. Uh, my son will have to sit on, on, on you because there's not enough place in, in the taxi. But I could go with them. I wished to visit the place and it came. And these things happen that we, we, we think something or we wish something and suddenly uh, it just comes. These little things when we 
observe this is fascinating. And this is, I would say, typical for Swami's places. Do you remember any instance uh, from other devotees from your country? Well, I have some um, some miracles, maybe. <laughs> they are interesting for for devotees. I I heard so many, and I'm always fascinating to hear, to hear more. Yeah? Yeah. I have a friend who is very devoted to Baba, and uh, she once visited uh, Kodaikanal in Tamil Nadu, the place where Swami goes only for a short period, during once in a year. And she had a camera and she took a photo, photography of uh, Bhagavan's car when he was leaving. She just in the crowd and she took the camera and took the picture. And on the photography, there's a car which is moving. It's not clear. It's like the car in motion. And there is a very beautiful pink, I think pink rose, clear pink rose on the picture. And I asked her, you did not take a picture of a rose? She said, no, I did not take a picture. I just took the car and the rose appeared on the picture. So it's it's like a miraculous picture. When I came first time ten years ago, in the group there was a lady who had um, a son. He was like 22 years old or something. And he had a car accident and he injured his brain. And he was unconscious on the breathing machines in the hospital. It was very long. It lasted weeks, maybe like one or two months unconscious. And the doctors did not know whether he would wake up or not. And when she came here, she wrote a letter to Swami to help him. And during darshan, Swami took the letter. And two days later, she phoned home. And the son got conscious. He woke up. And from that moment, he started getting better and better and better. He was not cured completely, that is because the injury was big, but he started improving after Swami took the letter. So this could be considered as a miraculous yeah, cure. Yeah. There are all these uh, signs of grace of Swami, and he, he does that <laughs> in his own mysterious ways. But you said, uh, so you kept coming to Prashantinilam, and you came five times. What, what is it that, uh, you know, you... You gather from this place, you took from this place every time you came to it. Well, during the darshan, I feel just love, love and bliss. And I think this is the main what, what, um, attracts me back. And I believe when I, when I'm here, usually like a month or six weeks, this time it's only three weeks. Um, when I come back home, I feel it changes me in a way. Uh, it changes me so in the sense that uh, I get like more faith in God maybe or I feel when I pray uh, closer to God. I can feel the love also during common life. And uh, so uh, I think when we come to Swami physically, He opens the gate uh, as I understand it. And he, he he works with the people in, in the crowd and, and he opens something. And then, of course, it's up on the people whether they use this precious opportunity or not. It's because God cannot change ourselves without our effort, without our agreement. But I believe, because I try to practice the spiritual teachings in everyday life, although I'm not a very good sadhaka, <laughs> at least I try to practice something or it's a kind of guidance for me. And definitely it helps me give me more inspiration and to more motivation to follow on the to follow the spiritual pathway and to to keep the relation with god this is what the la- is the lasting effect after each visit 
and I come in interval two, three years, and I feel that after two years, three years, it's time to go again, to visit again, to get a new, like, impulse for continuing the way. So it has brought so much change in your personalities, the way you work, in your character. Can you elaborate on that? Can you substantiate that? Well, I think for me the spiritual teachings are, I would say, like a framework or guidance or support in my life. Whatever I do, it's like on the background. I always ask whether it's correct, whether it's beneficial for others, whether it's good, whether it's in harmony with God's will. So I think this uh, practicing spiritual teaching helps us uh, to live beneficial life for, for people around us, to, be, to do things which are good for, for others, which are good for the world, and to live life which has some deeper, deeper sense and deeper meaning. That is the, the basic thing. And I believe that our ultimate goal is to, to merge with God or to realize God who is our innermost self. And uh, the teachings are like um, instructions how to do it, how to reach the goal. It's like if we uh, prepare a cake, we also can have in the cookbook an instructions, take you know, flour and take uh, sugar and mix it with fat and water and milk. So exactly this. We, we, when we do it practically, we can and follow the steps, we can create the cake. And I think spiritual teachings are like instructions for life. And when we follow the instructions, we can reach the goal. We can reach the knowledge of God. So this is how I look at spiritual teachings, basically. How have you tried to apply them in your um, professional life? Mm -hmm. You mean as, as a medical doctor? Well, probably any job which is beneficial in a way can be done in a, a, with motivation of, of service, of seva, like serving God or serving people. But the medical profession is maybe good for this because I work directly with people who have some problems, they have some disease or some some suffering, and uh, I try to help them. And when the person comes, I always ask myself that now is a possibility for me to do some seva, to do some service for the person and to help him or to uh, reduce his suffering or his problems. So I consider my job as a form of spiritual practice, actually, as a form how I can get closer to God by serving him but through working with the patients, because every person who comes is God incarnated. Of course, what I describe is the ideal state. It's not always like that. We forget sometimes, you know, yes, we, we get to the routine. But this is what gives me the motivation, and I try to transform the job into this way, which is very interesting and very, work. very fulfilling. Work is worship. Work is worship. This is what work. Baba says. Yeah. When you think about God, you feel His presence. Yeah. Are there any moments uh, in your life when you, you know, really felt His presence very strongly? Well, I have one maybe worldly event, <laughs> but uh, I ask God for different things. You know, I, Swami, I think He says in some in some uh, discourses that we sh we should ask God. Yes. If you ask anyone else, you become a beggar. But if you ask God, you are bigger. <laughs> What I usually do when I have a like big thing to solve, I write a letter to Swami. I don't send it physically to India. I have at home an, an altar. I write it, I pray, and I put it to the altar like with prayer to, you know. And, and for me, I consider it the same like sending it physically to India. Once I bought a flat, a new flat, and uh, 
actually it's the, the only flat in my life which I bought yeah. <laughs> because before that I lived with my parents and, and some rented places and I wanted to have my flat so it was a very difficult decision because it's an expensive thing and you know it, it's not like buying bananas or oranges <laughs> and uh, I wrote a letter and I asked Swami, I described the flat which I would like to get. I am from a city, from Prague, but I wanted to live close to the city, not exactly in the city. In, I wanted forests there and, and uh, silence, and I wanted good transport connection to the city, which is quite difficult to find a place like this, actually. <laughs> but I described all this, and I put it to the letter, Dear Swami, please give me a flat according to your will. Uh, uh, which is close to the city, in in the country, nice, uh, pure, silent place with good trans transport connection. And I wrote it like in February 2007, that was the year when I bought, three years ago, four years ago actually, and uh, uh, I put it to the altar and I forgot about the, the letter afterwards. And for like half a year I seek the flat actually, I traveled around and seek the internet, you know, reality, <laughs> like that. And then the flat came suddenly, I bought it, and it was a very good place. And when I moved, the first, very first day when I moved to the flat, it was completely empty. I only uh, moved first the altar. I have an idol of Lord Vishnu, and I have a photography of, of, of Swami. And I performed some, some arati. And when I moved the altar, a letter fell down from the, there was, there were several papers with different, you know, wishes and different things and <laughs> prayers. And I opened the letter, I didn't know what kind of letter it is, I opened the letter and there was, oh dear Swami, please give me a flat. Which, the first day when I came to the flat, the letter fell out of yes. the, of the, of the, of the group, yes, of the group of the letters and papers. I opened, dear Swami, give me a flat on a nice and pure silence place close to the city and so, and I looked around and the flat was exactly like that. It is very close to Prague, but it is a suburb which is actually only forests around hills and, and rivers, two rivers around. And it's very close to the city with excellent transport connection because there's very, there's a highway, but it is not, it is such a localized, localized that I don't hear it. I'm far from the highway, but it's close for transportation. So it's unbelievable and it's, it's just fulfilled. Now I want to ask you about uh, the Sai group in Czech Republic and Slovakia. Do you work together? There must be some Sai activities going on there. Yes, there are not many Sai devotees in the country. We publish a magazine, and uh, the magazine has about 120 subscribers, and about 80 more people download it from the internet. So we guess that 200 people are interested in magazine, which is published. So there could be about what, 200 devotees who are interested in the teachings, in the sense that they at least read the magazine, right, Act actively. So this is around the number in the whole country. The country has 10 million people. And out of these 200, maybe 80 people are active in the, in, in the sense that they come to some common meetings, at least once in a few months to bhajans or to meetings. And the Sai organization as such has only 30, 30 registered members. There's one Sai center in the capital and there are two groups in two more places, small, small groups. So it's not big. But although there are few, few the, the really active members are maybe 10, 15 people, 
uh, we have quite a lot of activities. We publish the magazine, we publish books, CDs, we do some seva, help, we help homeless people. We have some project for helping a handicapped person who is not able to care for himself. Uh, we have study circles, we, ha- we have children activities for children of the devotees. For example, ten children come sometimes. <laughs> so yes, it's very nice. It's very nice that there is a group and everyone who wants can join. We have regular bhajans every Thursday. So I'm, I'm very happy and grateful that I have the possibility to join a group like this. Yeah. Are there instances when uh, you try to tell people about Swami? in your country or elsewhere and what has been the response? Well, uh, I am not a kind of missionary person. Yeah? I, don't, I don't speak about uh, my personal things unless I'm asked or when people ask me. But my friends all know that I go to India. I don't, I don't make it secret, but I don't try to actively spread it, yeah? to spread it actively. So, uh, when people ask me and they know that I'm going to India, they know that I'm interested in Hinduism, and I usually say I'm going to visit Sai Baba, but uh, most people don't know who Sai Baba is actually in our country. It's not like here in India, everyone heard the name at least. But in our country, it's only minority of people who heard. But uh, people, those who are interested, they say, oh yes, it's, it's great, and tell me more than I tell. So Swami, things happen in his own time. Yeah, actually what I observed recently, in last years maybe, it's getting more. More people are getting aware, maybe they read more books, or there are more, more people traveling here to Prashanti, more Czech people, uh, which we don't know because they come individuals and they, don't, they are not in contact with the Sai community there. But those people, of course, also tell the stories. So it spreads this way, yes, informal way among people, or maybe some people buy books, yeah, like this. So it's not big, but it's slowly spreading. I think there's quite a relatively large amount of people uh, compared to other Western countries, maybe, um, which are interested in yoga and uh, Buddhism. Uh, we have several uh, Czech uh, spiritual masters, so they have many followers, actually. So those people who are interested in spirituality, I would say most of them Spirituality in this, I mean the Indian origin way, not the Christian tradition, they are followers of these local local gurus, if we call, could call them like that. Yeah. So, so, so their heart is drawn towards people. Yeah, yeah. So there is, yeah, it, it does exist there, but it's not organized religion. Yeah. This, the country became an independent country only in 93. The country was created about um, 800 and Ninety, the first ruler, <laughs> one thousand one hundred twenty years ago. <laughs> we have tradition of the country more than one thousand years. But nineteen ninety three, we separated from Czechoslovakia. We from Slovakia, so the Czech Republic. Yeah, but we are proud of our long, you know, thousand years old uh, history. <laughs> now coming to January twenty fifth, two thousand eleven. The day you had the chance to perform in front of Bhagwan, you had this choir. So tell us about this choir. How did this choir come? It's a little funny story. More than two years ago, we had um, international lectures of uh, Satyasai education coming to our country from from Austria, from Germany, and from Denmark, who are uh, zone and uh, regional coordinators actually of the Sai organization. 
and they come regularly every like two years. We have lectures, international, uh, um, international with international participa- participation, and uh, the, our uh, regional coordinator from Germany, Petra von Kleinowski, uh, she she spoke about Austrian choir, and then she turned to the audience and said, "And now is the time for the Czech Republic to have the singing choir." And at that time, I was the national coordinator of the country of the Czech Republic, and I said, "No, it's not possible. We don't have people for this. <laughs> we will not do it." But there was another lady in the Sai Center, and he came to me and said, "Michael, it's a great idea. We will have a singing choir. It's great. Let's start it." I said, "No, it's, it's crazy. You know, we don't have people. We don't have musicians. We are not enough devotees. Look how big groups come to Swami. You know, 200 people like this." And but. Then we had we have regular meetings in the Sai Center member meetings, and the next meeting, the idea of the choir was became such dominant that the other points which I had, you know, as a I, I will say, as the president, I had a program prepared. I I couldn't do anything else to speak about the singing choir, and we started the project, and it was originally like 20 people maybe which started. And there were more, and we really started uh, regular rehearsals. We we seek the repertoire and the songs. It was a very long process, and uh, w- more and more people came. Uh, many new people came. Actually, devotees from different towns of the country, which we never heard about before. And it was great that many new people could join the Sai activity, and it lasted uh, more, uh, over two years. We met and we practiced. And um, sincerely, we were not very good like professional choirs, but we gradually improved, and then we fixed time that we will go to India in January 2011, because we felt that it's time now, we can't go on forever and ever with rehearsals only. (laughs) And we got 34 people to join, and we did not have any like big expectations, because we were not like excellent singers, but when we started practicing here, we got the hall in the... In, in here in, in the ashram, in the building which is called the double decker building, the hall where the lectures are usually yes. done. And we started practicing here and we practiced three days and because of the holy place and because of the Swami's presence, we became very good actually. We, we became much better than, than we originally were before we left to India. <laughs> so the choir much improved and then of course, we asked for the permission officially, and uh, then we got a suggestion that we should join with a youth group from New Zealand, which was about the same size. We had we had 34 people; they had 20, 29 people, and we created a common repertoire: half half songs, Czech songs, half New Zealander songs, and finally. Uh, the, the decision to sing Swamis came very suddenly. <laughs> we were at least, we were actually not completely prepared yet. And in the morning, the news came, tonight we are singing. And we were, oh, <laughs> it's unbelievable. And so we, pre- we, we, we had to buy the shirts <laughs> and to finish the papers for, 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 for Bhagawan to give with the program. It was very quick, very hectic morning. <laughs> and, uh, in the evening we sang, it was beautiful, it was unbelievable, and it was really blessing. We experienced uh, many people, I think, one of the most beautiful moments of their life. It was so strong and so beautiful. So, how many more days are you still in Prashantinika? We are leaving tomorrow evening. 
first of all, we have experience of great love and joy and bliss in the being so close, you know, long, close darshan with, with Bhagavan during the singing. And uh, I think it will help to get new power to the Sai movement in our country. It will give inspiration to others, to other devotees, because we can share the experience. I think it will be like a new impulse for the whole Sai community in our country, because it was really a blessing, it was beautiful. Yeah. So this is the main point, which we are returning home as a group, which has this beautiful, strong experience. And we will, I believe, we will like motivate others or can share the light with others. Right. Wonderful. It was really wonderful to really see uh, people from Zegjipo Pekin, uh-huh. Slovak, Slovakia, singing in front of Bhagwan yeah. that evening. Uh, <laughs> I think more than anyone else, you have experienced the most. I, I can go on talking about that evening, but uh, uh, you were the direct recipients of grace that day. Yeah. And uh, we are so happy that uh, you could come to the studios today and share uh, okay. your experience. Thank you very much, Dr. Michael Gopal. And finally, mm-hmm. before we close, what would you like to say to all Radio Sai listeners? I would say like this. Living in time when, when Avatar came, when he is in his body, and we have this opportunity to come to him and to interact to him, we should use the opportunity. We should study the teachings, practice the teachings in our daily life, really practice, and Come for his blessing and use the special, excellent opportunity that we get maybe once in many lives to visit and to see Avatar in physical body and to use the time when he is here for our spiritual growth. I think this is, if I could have a message, this is what will be my message. Use the opportunity, follow the teachings, and practice the teachings and live in love and his blessing. Thank you very much. I thank you. It was really enlightening. Thank you, Sairam. You just heard a conversation with Dr. Michael Gopal Blessy, a Sai devotee from the Czech Republic. In conversation with him was Radio Sai's Pishu Prashti. This conversation was recorded in the studio of Radio Sai in the month of January 2011. It was yet another episode of our series Trust with Divinity wherein we offer you stories of people who have been touched by the love of Bhagwan Baba. We hope you enjoyed this program. Please do share your feedback on this program by writing to listener at radiosai.org. Thank you and Sai Ram from Prashanti Nilayam.